0: Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. All right, let's dive into the word. Enough of this stuff. Acts 17, 1 through 9, this is your annual Thanksgiving message. and make no apologies about it. Every single year at this time, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we talk about thankfulness. I think we need it now more than ever. I think we need a fresh dose of what does it mean to be grateful? What does it mean to be thankful? What does God really command us when it comes to thankfulness? Let me read you Acts 17, 1 through 9. It says, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica. That's important. Circle that in your Bible. They're at Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was Paul's custom. He went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. So Paul shows up at Thessalonica, he marches into a Jewish synagogue, and he starts preaching Jesus. Verse 3, he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about... Is the Messiah. Verse 4 Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. What just happened? Paul and Silas roll into Thessalonica. He walks into his synagogue. He starts preaching Jesus. Jews, Greeks, and women join him, and the church in Thessalonica is born. He just started a church out of a Jewish synagogue preaching in Thessalonica. Watch what happens. Verse 5. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. I tell you something, a riot appears, I think it's six, maybe five or six times in Scripture. Every time a riot appears, it's in rebellion to God's will. Make no mistake about it. Anytime a rebellion or a riot appears in God's word, it's in rebellion to God's will. Will So this riot starts and they attack the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Verse 6. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. Verse 7. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. Verse 8 The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. Verse 9 So the officials forced Jason and the other believers into post bond, and they released them from prison. Let me give you just the synopsis of what happened, okay? Paul and Silas roll into Thessalonica. They preach in the synagogue. People start getting saved. They start meeting Jesus. They start the church. Immediately after that church in Thessalonica is started, there is a riot that is manufactured that rises up And rebels against the people, and they wind up getting thrown into prison for it. A little bit of a background about Thessalonica Thessalonica is the capital city to Rome, or to Macedonia. It was the trade center to Rome. So anyone who was making money or making trade in Rome had to pass through Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a filthy, rich city. City. They controlled all the wealth moving in and moving out of Rome. They had everything. They had money. They had transport. They had wealth. They had a thriving city, and Paul rolls in there, and these people start meeting Jesus, and what happens immediately after they make a decision to follow Jesus? They start facing persecution. They would walk into a store, and they'd be told, hey, you're you're one of those followers of Jesus. You're in rebellion to Caesar. You can't come into this store. Whoa, you're a follower of Jesus. I can't do business with you anymore. I can't make exchange with you anymore so they started facing persecution and here's what happened they rise up and they say paul you got us into this mess we had it made everything was great does this sound like evangelicals in 2020 everything was perfect everything was great the economy was booming Everything was wonderful, and now look at what you've done. It's terrible. It's falling apart. I don't have a job anymore. I can't do this anymore. They're pushing me out of their stores. They won't do business with me. They won't engage with me. They won't talk with me. They're throwing us in jail. What do we do? Paul, give us the answer. You're the one who started this church. You're the one who led us to Jesus. Now we're in all this trouble because of it. What are we supposed to do? Listen to First Thessalonians 5. 16 through 18. So now you know the book of Thessalonians was written to the church in Thessalonica. We just read the history of that, right? So you know how the church started. You know what was happening. You know the persecution that was coming. So Paul says, I will do you one better. You want to know what you need to do right now when everything's falling apart and everything's, you know, our pets' heads are falling off and everything's a disaster right now? Let me tell you what you need to do. 1 Thessalonians 5." 16 through 18. If you've been around church any amount of time, I know you've heard this. Paul says, and listen to this listen to the absolutes always, never, and in all. Sear these into your mind always, never, and in all. Every single one of these commands is an absolute. You know, Mr. Absolute, this always happens. I used to be guilty of that in my marriage early on. You always do this. Why do you always do this? Like the second time I've done it, and now it's always we've been together 10 years, and this is the second time. Like are you really, but but this is Paul. He's giving absolutes. He's saying these are absolute truths for you during this time. First Thessalonians 5:16 through 18. Always, circle the word always, always be joyful. Never, 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 ever stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. This is the power of it. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I meet people all the time that say, what is God's will for my life? Always be joyful, never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. That'll pretty well sort it out. They're waiting for like, oh, to be a missionary and go to this foreign country and do that. No, no, no. Just just be joyful. Just keep praying and just be thankful. God will work out those details. But if you want to know the heartbeat of God's will, you want to know what you should do. If you're saying to yourself, what do I do now? I'm I'm suffering persecution. I'm worried about the future. I don't know what's going to happen. Trade routes have been cut off. Nobody will do business with me. I I, I don't see what could possibly go right in 2021. What word do you have for me? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. These are absolutes. 100 percent. No if, ands, what's, or buts. For this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We have this passage of scripture on a big uh, piece of art in our house. It is right in the center of our living room. I see it every single day. Day and it has two times during this year the Lord has really convicted me with this passage of Scripture. One time was early on in July. July, I'll tell you, we started the year 2020 so strong. I mentioned make purple. January was just a huge month. We were growing, everything was thriving. February we had make purple. All you guys got pregnant. We got pregnant. It was just, it was just the promised land, right? and then March hits, and the pandemic hits, and I was that guy standing up here saying, Easter, we're all going to be together again. Easter, it's going to be great. Don't worry, don't panic. We'll all be together. What is it, November now, and we're still... With half of us together. But then all of a sudden, the pandemic happens. And then, after the pandemic happens, racial tensions and injustice begin to rise up. And then we have this election, and we move the church online, and we went in person, and then we went online and in person. And I got to this point where I felt like I was pastoring people through a pandemic. I was pastoring a church online, I was pastoring a church in person. I was leading people through racial injustice, and I was playing referee for an election coming up. It was, sounds crazy. It was. We we'll go from conversation to conversation. So somebody asked me one time, they said, how are you doing? Oh, you caught me at a great time. Let me just unload for you. I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I feel like I'm leading a church online. I'm leading a church in person. I'm refereeing an election is coming. I'm doing all of these things. And the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart. Yeah, but can you still be thankful? Can you still be thankful? You have a baby on the way. Your kids and wife are healthy. You still have people around you that love you. You still get to do ministry with great people. Can you still, in the midst of it, be thankful? Can I be thankful in all circumstances? Another time, recently... I will tell you, I, I love hearing the cries of other people's kids. Let them, let them cry. It doesn't bother me at all. It just reminds me that I'm not around mine that's crying right now. Uh, it, it has been, we've had a baby, right? And I am so thankful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I blocked out of my mind, you guys will connect with this. I have blocked out of my mind what it was like to have a newborn. My kids are 5 and 7. Well, now I have a newborn. But at time, they were 5 and 7. They were sleeping through the night. I'm just going to preach to this side over here because I see the babies. They were 5 and 7. They were sleeping through the night. Everything. I had to wake my own kids up out of bed in the morning to get them to go to school. It was great. Saturday mornings, 9, 10 o'clock, they're still sleeping. Everything's wonderful, right? Then we have this newborn. And the first time we brought the newborn home, I hear wah, wah, wah. And I'm like, what is that noise? I don't recall what that was like. And so I get up, and I walk, and I pat, and I'm like, "God, oh, it'll just be a few minutes. And I put him down, and I lay down. And you know how they time it, right? They're just perfect. The moment you start to drift away, wah, ah, ah. This gurgling, and I'm like, I wake up and I pick up the baby, I'm like, okay, just one more time. I know I got this. I know I got. After like eight or ten times, I'm looking at Anna and I'm like, what were we thinking? Like, we were out of this stage. This stage was over, and now we're here. So, guess what started coming out of my mouth? People say, hey, man, how are you doing? I'm tired. (laughs) I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I forgot what it was like to be up every hour of the night with a newborn. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Can you still be joyful? Can you still be joyful that you have this beautiful baby? Can you still be joyful that the Lord's brought this child into your care, into your home, and he's healthy? Here's what I, the point that I'm trying to make to you. This verse, allow me to just be insensitive for a moment. This verse is like an Enneagram 8's favorite verse, because this verse does not care how you feel. It does not care at all. This passage of scripture could care less what's going on, because in all circumstances, you're to be thankful. It could care less the challenges, or the hurts, or the anxieties, or anything. You're to be always you care less how tired you are, how busy you are, how much you have going on, because we're to never stop praying. This verse is an absolute verse. If you walk away with anything today, walk away with this truth, that it is 100%, despite how I feel, despite what I think, despite what I want, I am called to be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in all Circumstances. All right, let's dive into these three. And when we. Is this you, Mitch? Does it get better than Mitchell Banks? Would you guys give Mitch a hand one more time? I noticed it wasn't up there when I first came up, and I was like, oh man, I hope I'm ready. And then I worshiped all my saliva away, and now I, I need a drink. And Mitch, and hey, by the way, I saw you had to carry the pulpit for yourself because you always do this for me every week. Lord forbid that man ever carry his own pulpit again. Mitch, when you're up here, we'll have somebody do that for you. Love you, man. Thank you. Cheers. I'll drink to that. All right. <clears throat> Hey, take two weeks off and you've got a voice left. Always be joyful. Let's jump into all three. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Always be joyful. Nehemiah 8, 10 says, Do not be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's going to strengthen you during this time? It's not going to be upset. It's not going to be complaining. It's not going to be whining about everything that's going on. It's going to be the joy of the Lord that's going to bring you strength. It's going to be the joy of the Lord that builds your spirit. It's going to be the joy of the Lord that lifts you up. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. This is like the ultimate doom and gloom, yet I have joy verse. I love it. Even though the figs have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, Even though the olive crop fails and the field lies empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, we got no wine, we got no olive oil, we got no barley, we got no fields, we got no cattle. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I spent uh, years ago, several months in South Africa, love South Africa, I remember the first time I was going to do ministry in an AIDS orphanage. Basically, what it is what it is. It's, it's an orphanage of kids whose parents have died from AIDS. Some of them have contracted AIDS. So they have this huge fence that just goes around this property. They've got a fence down the center of it. And they've got kids on this side that have AIDS from their parents who passed away. And they've got kids on this side who are orphans from AIDS that don't have AIDS, right? And so we were going up there, and we were getting ready to do ministry, and I remember hearing outside of the gates the sound of laughter. And I, I'm thinking what you're thinking. Oh, my gosh, an AIDS orphanage? Like, that sounds like the most heart-wrenching, depressing thing in the world. And I'm walking up to the gates. It was SOS Children's Orphanage was the name of it. And I could hear these kids laughing. I could hear screams of joy. I could hear all of this fun going on. I'm like, get me in the gates. Let me go in there. I want to see. I walked in. I nearly got ran over from a soccer game. I looked over. There was this group of kids. They had no shoes, no socks, torn up, tattered shirts. They were kids. Kicking a melon that had been wrapped, that had been hardened and dried out and wrapped in duct tape. That was their soccer ball. These kids were kicking this ball. They were running all over the place. They saw me. I stood out like a sore thumb. They ran up to me, pulling on my clothes, asking they could have my watch. I gave them everything I had except for what I, you know, needed to keep covered, right? And I just, it was just this incredible experience and it was heart-wrenching at the same time because you go in there knowing these kids have no future. They tell you that when you go in there. said, so, look, no, nobody's going to adopt a kid with AIDS. We can only house them till they're 18. So when they leave here, they literally become throwaway children. They scavenge on the streets. They take what they can to eat. Nobody wants to marry somebody with AIDS. Nobody wants to adopt a kid with AIDS. They become what they call throwaway children. They're just, walk, they're just scavengers until they either pass away from AIDS or that's usually their future. If they make it to 18, they're left and they go. And so I'm heartbroken, right? Because I see the happiest, most beautiful, fun, excited kids, and I know what their future holds. And so I asked the director, I said, how, how are these kids so joyful? How are they so happy? Oh, I hear they're jumping rope, they're singing songs, they're having dance circles, they're playing soccer. And he said, because they have nothing but joy. And then he looked at me and he said something that I think we all need to hear. He said, you Americans have so many things distracting you from joy. You have so many things that cloud your mind from joy. You have so many things you're worried about from a bank account to an election to a news cycle. He said, Americans have way too many things distracting them from joy. He said, these kids have one thing. Joy. It's all they have. Let me ask you today, what is distracting you from the joy you're supposed to always have? What is robbing you of your joy? You know what I did this past week? I went on Instagram and I blocked every single political post that came up. I don't know where these suggested posts come from, but I get hit with hundreds of them from all angles. And and did you know this? I'll teach you a really cool trick for your spirit. If you hold down on that, a thing pops up and it says not interested. How many want to put their hands together for not interested right now, right? (laughs) And I click not interested and I click not because I realized something that it was stealing my joy was stealing my joy. I'd be joyful. I'd wake up. I'd spend time with the Lord. I would be walking with Jesus, and then I'd get on my phone, and I'd see a couple ads and a couple things, and all of a sudden, my joy is gone, and I'm frustrated, and I'm annoyed, and I'm confused, and I have no idea what's going on. It's robbing me of my joy, but we're always to be joyful, so we protect our joy above all things. Number two, it says always be joyful and never stop praying. Never stop. There's never an instance in our life that should stop us from praying. Romans 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. <laughs> I'll just tell you. Why not? It's a little fresh. It's a little, it's a little bit of a, of a wound here still, right? But we, uh, our, our son, Zadok, is his name. He's our newborn baby. He has reflux like crazy. It is, none of our other kids had reflux. It is just, it's unreal, right? Uh, Every single hour, he's gurgling in the middle of the night. It's scary. I've no, I'm like, what are we doing? I don't know. I've never had to deal with this before. We have to burp him every hour. He eats, he burps, he falls asleep. We try to fall asleep. He's up the next 15 minutes. He's just, it's just crazy. Anyone had a baby with reflux? Let me see you. Okay, uh, pray for me and I'll pray for you and we'll get through this together. But my, my, we're going through this time, right? And, and Anna's scared. I'm scared. I've never seen this before. So we Googled everything that you need to do, right? Great decision, right? So we Googled and yeah, Google is so, so helpful, right? Google said, sleep them at an angle. Then the next Google said, if you sleep them at an angle, they'll roll over and suffocate. So then we're like, uh-oh, do we sleep them flat or do we sleep him at an angle? Let's try both. So then we have flat and then we have the angle, and we bought this little sleeper that's specialized for it. So now we're waking up and we're doing these tests it's like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, uh, no, move him to the flat. Oh, no, 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 he's gurgling. Let's move him to the, to the angle. And, oh, he's rolling. He may. So then we start Googling more, and they're like, well, it may not be reflux. Thank you, Google. It may be. Coronavirus. There's a, like, there was all these symptoms, and it was like, it may not be this. He may have a stomach infection. It may not be that. We're taking his temperature every 10 minutes, and that's no fun if you're a baby, right? You know how that, that goes. So we're taking his temperature. We're doing all of these things, and we're exhausted, absolutely exhausted, laying in bed next to each other, looking at each other. Anna's got the baby on her lap, and I'm just, I, we don't know what to do. And Anna said, Luke, pray. Pray. We said, in the mighty name of Jesus, this reflux will stop. Lord, help us. Lord, do something. Father, we just commit this to you. It was the greatest night's sleep we had had in two weeks. It was the greatest. Thank you for clapping. You make me feel better because I'm telling you that to my shame. We spent a week on Google. We spent a week buying stuff off Amazon that we didn't need. And Anna looked at me and she said, did we really just do all this before we prayed? Did we really? Do- Never stop praying. Pray before you Google. Pray before you go to the Facebook Moms group and get 700 suggestions on what you need to do. Pray before you talk to your friends. Pray before you do anything. Never stop always Pray, turn to prayer. We're always joyful. We never stop praying. I better wrap this up before my voice is completely gone. Be thankful in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Think about that in your own spirit for a moment. This is God's will. What does God will for you? To be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful. So God wants that. so the opposite then is true as well. When I am grouchy and complaining and not praying, but I'm Googling, and I have no thankfulness, but I'm just ungrateful and nasty and chirping about everything, I am out of God's will for my life. When I don't have joy, I'm out of God's will. When I'm not praying, I'm out of God's will. When I'm not thankful, when I'm not grateful, I'm out of God's will. Because the will of God for those who belong to Christ Jesus is to be thankful, is to pray, and is to be, and is to be joyful. I almost lost that third one. Hey, this is my first week back in two weeks. I'm getting dialed in again. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, and give thanks for God, to give thanks to God for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the most repeated phrase in the Bible is? The most repeated phrase in all of Scripture: give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercies endure forever. It's the most repeated phrase in all of Scripture. Why do you think that is? Because we need to hear it. We need to hear it over and over. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Nothing will change your attitude like gratitude. Here's where I want to land. I'm going to tell you the greatest pastor joke in all of history. Who's been in church for more than 10 years? Let me see. You're going to know this one. This one, if you don't know this, you've been in the wrong church. This is the greatest pastor joke in all of history. For those of you that are new to church, you're about to get blessed. You ready to get blessed? There's nothing better than corny pastor humor. And here it is. There was this little old lady who lived in a house and every day she would wake up in the morning, she'd walk out on her front porch and she would say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lauren. Well, it wasn't too long. The house next to her came up for sale and an atheist moved in next door. Oh, you know it. The atheist moved in and he got so annoyed with her. Every time she'd walk out on her porch and she would say, Thank you, Lord, that he started going out on his porch and he started yelling at her. God doesn't exist. There's no such thing as the Lord. And she'd come out and say, Thank you, Lord. Lord, and he'd get irritated and he'd say, there is no God. Well, one day she walked out onto her porch and it was cold, it was snowy, the roads were covered up and she couldn't get to the grocery store. And so she said, thank you, Lord, that even though I don't have any groceries and I have no food right now. That you will provide. And so the atheist, he heard that and he thought, oh, I got myself a little plan. So he went to the store. Come on, you know where I'm headed. He bought some groceries. Oh, you're going to finish this joke with me. And he showed up to her house and he put the groceries on her front step. And the next morning she woke up and she walked out of her house and she saw the groceries and she said, thank you, Lord, you have provided groceries. And the atheist, he jumped up and he said, ha, ha. He said, I got you. He said, God did not give you those groceries. I gave you those groceries. There is no such thing as the Lord. And she said, thank you, Lord, that you gave me groceries and you made the devil pay for it. (laughs) Come on, come on. (laughs) That's what we're called to be. We're called to be thankful. We're called to be thankful in all circumstances, in every situation. I loved what Mitchell said last week. Are we going to go through this and are we going to say, here's what 2020 did to me and here's what happened to me? Or are we going to go through this and say, in the midst of what happened in 2020, the Lord is still good. The Lord did this work in me. The Lord changed this about my heart. Come on, you can finish with a little more. We're going to have, we're going to finish this year strong. The way we leave a season is the way we enter a season. And we do that by being joyful, praying, and being thankful. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.